Damo, you big sweet tooth. Yes, MP, you chocoholic. So naughty but nice. We're a hit at the Wellness Summit and I want more. Well, how does 20 recipes in their free ebook Heavenly Healthy Desserts sound, MP? Jeepers, Damo, I'm loving that. Or you can hop on down to their brand new cafe, Selection Cafe in South Melbourne and receive 10% off your favourite healthy desserts. Woohoo! To do so, go to sonaughtybutnice.com forward slash couch and fill in your details to receive your free ebook and discount voucher. That's www.sonaughtybutnice.com forward slash couch. So Naughty But Nice, delicious nutrition. Thewellnesscouch.com streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up For A Chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within and then some. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And I'm a bit excited because I think awakening the change within and inspiring us and then some is pretty fitting for today's guest on our show. We have got one of the most prolific names in um, athletics and cycling on the show with us today. And Cindy has actually discovered this gem of a man. And we are so excited to welcome you to the show and discover Everything about you, everything about your philosophy, everything about the way that you integrate food and mindset and your whole life to become the champion that you are and that that is your whole champion mindset and your whole champion way of being. So, Taylor Gunman, welcome. Welcome to Upper <laughs> Chat. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, ladies. <laughs> pleasure, to, <laughs> pleasure to be on the show. <laughs> Oh, you wait. You wait. <laughs> yeah, look, I'll tell everybody up front, it didn't take Kimmy long. She pulled up Taylor's photos on the internet. The first thing she says is, oh, my God, you're really hot. <laughs> and then she said, and then she said, hello, Christmas. Uh, well, it's, 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 it's kind of like, hello, Christmas. <laughs> oh, well, it's quite yeah. nice to have a fellow Kiwi online, Taylor, and and just to see that you are from Takapuna, which my husband went to Takapuna Grammar School, um, so it feels very connected to home and everything, and, and I know Takapuna very well over there in Auckland. So so f- thanks for flying in, especially for Up for a Chat, regardless of the wedding that you've got to go to. But, um, oh, that's all right. <laughs> Tell us, I mean, is, am I right? You're 24 years of age? Yep, I'm 24 I, and I've been riding a bike for too long. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you got into all of this and, and when did you realise it was going from a hobby into something that you really wanted to create more professionally? Um, well, I, the way you can sum me up is very simple. I'm, I, I was your very typical um, New Zealand Kiwi kid. Um, I went to Westlake Boys, which is just up the road from Takapuna Grammar, purely for the rugby. Now, um, <laughs> Westlake is a very dominant rugby school, and um, you know, I, I was the, the 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 little guy on the field, but I was achieving a lot in the rugby world. But I hated rugby uh, running. And the best way for me to lift my fitness was actually to ride a bike. Um, but then we crossed the path of either A, um, going big and playing rugby or saying a little man, I guess, or a little you know, lean person and having to race the bike. And 
to me, quite literally, it was as simple as enjoying the freedom of, of riding a bike. You know, my biggest decision at the at every day is to go left or right out of the driveway. Um, whereas, for you know, in, in my opinion, most sports you need a court, you need a ball, you may need somebody else to play with. Where, you know, for me, jumping on a bike, my, the the road map's my playground. So. Um, you know, from there on, it, it's it has become and developed into what I would say an obsession. You have to be obsessed with riding a bike if you want to ride it for thirty hours a week, uh, rain, hail, or shine. So um, from there on, I guess it's just become a, an ever-evolving part of my life. <laughs> and so, do you do a lot of rides up through Albany, and you take yourself way, way up north? Is that the kind of route you take up the coast? Yeah, I, I I love exploring. I, just looking at a map and seeing where it takes me, and and I don't mind if it's a gravel road or a paved road. And back in New Zealand, I love riding through the Waitaki Ranges out to Piha um, mm. more often than than anything else. But you know, I am very lucky to have a uncle that lives here in Malulaba, so I love coming here and riding up to Montville and and then going to Noosa and. You know, to a lot of people, that's a big day trip in the car. But, you know, for me, it's quite cool that I can casually say I'll ride up to Noosa or ride to these places and give a point A to point B idea of what I actually achieve or what I'm doing in the day. So it's fair to say you've got hot legs and how's that butt? <laughs> My butt lashes. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I've got bad news, but you'd have to ask my girlfriend, but my butt's covered in scars, so yes, <laughs> and, yes, um, I would I've imagine. I've just come off from a crash, and it's all scar tissue. But you know, it's I guess it's a, a plausible excuse to shave your legs and have a nice tan. So, but it's only <laughs> to a very defined line, of course, because our cycle pants stop, and oh, I, I try not to have the the infamous tan lines of the sport <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> Taylor, you said that you ride thirty hours a week. Now, most people would be working. 30 hours a week or 40 hours a week. <clears throat> that is a massive commitment to to, to to anything, really. Tell us about what it actually takes from a mental point of view to be able to get up every morning and know that that's what your day is going to be all about. I mean, that must, if it's something that you love and you're totally passionate about, I mean, you must feel like the luckiest person <clears throat> breathing. Yeah, it, it's definitely... Uh evolved into a lifestyle it's, it's, it's never a, a chore to me I want to go out and I want to ride my bike and and you know I, I'm actually very lucky to be able to ride my bike it's opened many doors for me that um, aren't open to most people in life you know I've, I've lived in Boulder Colorado I've, in America I've lived in Portland I've lived in Belgium I've and you know every day I get up and I, I look forward to riding my bike even when it's a hard uh, you know, I'm going through a bad phase or a good phase and the mega highs with the mega lows. It's At the end of the day, it's still something I look forward to doing. And, um, you know, yeah, it's just evolved into a lifestyle of, and, and you have these environments and, you know, you've got to surround yourself with people with similar ideas and similar aspects and, um, I guess, principles. And it's easy to go out and ride when there's, I guess, a local friend who's just as motivated or something like that. It pushes you, it gets you, you know, gets you out the door when it's raining or, you know, makes you do that one extra effort or something like that. So 
I think it's the competition side of it, but it's also the, the, the freedom. And like I said, again, the lifestyle of just what it takes to get yourself in shape to perform at a high level. Taylor, what's your distance? What, what, what is your, your, your expertise? What's, what's your race? Um, my, my strength, I would say, is a tour rider. So, you know, we're saying multiple days after days. Uh, to a, from a week long to 12 days long kind of thing. We have hilly stages. Um, Tura Southland, you know, you do 100, start from Tianao, you go through um, up along into Queenstown and finish at the top of Coronet Peak. So these are kind of like medium mountains would be my strength and then time trialling. So I guess the jack of all trades or pretty okay at everything but not astounding at one thing just yet kind of thing so it's a good place to be it's kind of the middle ground but in an aspect of results and racing it offers a lot more opportunity and the life of a cyclist Sorry, the life of a cyclist yeah it's, a, it's an interesting one um <clears throat> originally i've just come over to australia for a month of racing and i stayed on for two weeks because uh my cousin's having a wedding in noosa but, you know, I was due to go home with the family at the end of this trip and I've just had the whole calendar and everything change on me. So now I'm here for another eight weeks before I get to actually go home. So I'll be lucky to be back uh, mid-November in New Zealand. So you just roll with the punches and, you know, but you're not going to hear me complain because, you know, the fact that we get to travel so much and, you know, fortunate to have great sponsors and a great team and Avanti Racing that actually make it possible and fund it for, for the lifestyle, I guess. What I was going to ask, um, Taylor, was, uh, you know, we were talking last night and, you know, you were talking about, you know, you you live in all sorts of different places. And I also know that um, you manipulate your diet beautifully in order to uh, race or train. How is it, first of all, when you're travelling to stick to a good diet? Because this is always the question that we get asked um, because all of us travel. But as an athlete, knowing that you have to be at your peak, knowing that you have to eat the right foods, how um, difficult is that with your travelling and living in Berlin and Colorado and Portland, Oregon, I guess that was where you were talking about, and around the world, New Zealand, Australia? Tell me how you do that. Um, look, I, of course, like the rule of anything, piss poor preparation and it makes for a poor performance, but you have to be organized and, and always plan things ahead. You know, I, um, I brought over the product of Pure Delish. You know, I'm very lucky to have a New Zealand company that looks after me with, with their bars and, and, you know, these nut bars which I can travel with. And, you know, it's good to have healthy food in my backpack for when I'm traveling that I can have at the airport instead of buying those muffins or the brownies or, or you know, those other options that I guess aren't um, as healthy as, as they say they are. So it's, it's a good way of controlling what I can eat. But then it's a simple thing of also having, um, having done the research or, or I enjoy shop, walking around supermarkets and I'd rather do, make things from scratch. So if, if I can't get a certain cereal or nothing's offered, 
it's 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 a bit of fun actually seeing what you can come up with when it comes to having to make your own granola or your own muesli and toast it that way. So um, <clears throat> it does offer a challenge, but at the end of the day too, it is a challenge which I enjoy is trying to emulate my diet around the world as well. So, um, yeah, I think it, at the end of the day, it's just trying to plan ahead and, and just find out what works for you, what, what you can do and what you can't do because I guess some people do get very caught up on their diets, but sometimes you just have to accept that, you know, culturally, for example, being in Japan, <laughs> they don't have cereals, so we had to have rice, but there's nothing wrong with rice and their scrambled eggs. It's just, uh, I guess, sometimes you just have to accept it and just learn learn why and understand what you're eating and what it's actually doing for you as well. It's, it's interesting. Uh, like, it's, it's, sorry, Kimmy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got something to ask. <laughs> uh, I just, you go, Kim. I think it's interesting that, and particularly in New Zealand, I know this from Danny when he was an athlete and obviously the All Blacks, there's, there's a lot of... Um, and the netballers, there's a lot around nutrition and a lot of dietitians and nutritionists seem to think that, you know, breakfast cereals and, and things like this and bars and all of that are the best and, and one of the best ways to go. But, I mean, I would imagine for someone like you and particularly what I found with Danny was, I mean, he loved nothing more than than just plain nuts and and maybe, um, you know, and coconut water and and he really, he was quite ahead of his time when it came to diet, but a lot of that was because he ended up with parasites and things like that from places like India. So um, he knew from a very, very young age that food meant everything to him. I mean, that is your food source. That is what, like you say, on, on the day, it really does come down to that. If, do you get conflicting advice in your um, in your arena? Because I know from Cindy's perspective and ours, there's there's conflict within nutritionists. There's conflict within dietitians. There's conflict within corporations, particularly when you throw in um, the whole thing around sponsorship and things like that. I just I just wondered, as a 24 year old man, how easy that is for you to keep everyone happy, but do what's right for you. Yeah, there is. It's I guess it's like anything in the world, and and the thing is with with cycling is is. You know, our sport is, is very unique. Um, and, and, you know, my bike, we, I might be on a team, we have matching bikes, we have the same shifting component tree, but I might like a certain type of handlebar or a certain type of handlebar tape or a different saddle. You know, you can't make everyone on our team ride the same saddle because we're all built differently. And it's exactly we have all the got same. different butts. Oh yeah, we've all got different butts. Some have got big butts as well, for sure, and, and some have none. So, um, but but you know that's the thing is I think a lot of people too often take um, certain things for granted, and, and you know you, you might ring up or I've I've always loved eating eggs. I, I look forward to having eggs in the morning, and that's just me. So sometimes I'll have cereal to mix it up, but for me, my diet is based around the fact that I'll have eggs in the morning. And there's a very deliberate reason why I have eggs because I believed and I read a study that, you know, it levels your insulin levels for the day and I'll have high fat as well with, you know, cottage cheese and, and avocado. And for me, I need the carbs because I'm training so much. So I add pieces of toast 
maybe two pieces of toast if I'm training four, five, six hours in that day, maybe one if it's two to three hours and then no toast if it's just a recovery ride. Um, and you, you take along with things like that, but I could read an article or, or we had an, someone else in our team turn around and say, Taylor, you're eating too much protein in the morning. You should be having cereal. But the problem is, is I had cereal and I found myself to be hungry again and eating more food an hour later. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think you've, it's just, there is a large amount of trial and error and everyone's different is, is my belief, but, um, you've just, you've got to be open to ideas, but also, um, just believe what you think is, feels right and comfortable for you and is Rick, best for you. Is that- is that regardless of what sponsors or or people do? I mean, I know you've got to be seen to 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 be supporting our sponsors. Our sponsors are the ones that pay our wages, so to speak, and they keep us going in the realm of, of professional sport. But I like hearing you say that that people still feel they've got their own voice within the sport. Is that the same for you when it comes to um, attire, to um, protocols, programs, calendar, like? Is it all mapped out for you or do you get some say in what you're doing? We do get some say and, and you know, at the, at the end of the day, a lot of the stuff does is also quite strict. So, um, you know, say with our tyres, we are given a certain tyre and but we, we have faith that the people uh, that in our team are – our team invests a lot of time and money in getting the best products in tires, the best tires, the best wheels and and um this and again recycling, they're infamous for, for looking constantly for the one percenters. You know, if if you have your beetroot it does it increase your performance before a max max effort event or something like that. So to some degree you have to have faith in the product. Um and they also do change. Um quite often we we've gone from um, I guess a, a very generic nutrition brand to a very um, to a new brand that's very health orientated and that's you know bars that are made out of goji berries and seeds and no fructose and and I guess would be a very refined um, product compared to the previous products that we have um, and you know we have we we have to take it and I'll eat, eat these products and we do enjoy it but um, you know sometimes it doesn't agree with people and we have to just be careful. Some people have stomach issues with um, certain products, so then they supply their own and, um, you know, it's a common thing, but but you just have to, I guess, be seen in the general eye of, of supporting the product as much as you can, but you can't let it hinder your own performance. If, you, if it is, you have to be responsible yourself and take control of it because at the end of the day, our job is to perform. So if something's hindering our performance you know that's what it comes down to is just being responsible for fueling your own machine oh you know what it's actually take away the fact that you're a top professional athlete now let's say we were just interviewing taylor gunman as a young person that we were interviewing that i think that's the that's a philosophy for life right there (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i don't I, it could be a very marginal topic, but at the end of the day, you, you, you hear about it a lot in the news and, and something will happen and someone are very quick to, to blame the, 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 the powers above for, for um, 
not doing anything to stop it and this might be affecting a minority but you know too much responsibility is taken away from general public I guess now I believe but that's what it comes down to and especially just if you want to be successful or if you want to achieve anything in life it's how much do you want it and what's going to stop you from achieving that result I believe so you know I still want to be racing the Tour de France and I'm I have to do what I have to do to get there and I'm meaning that by looking after myself and making the sacrifice you know I'd love to be back home with living with my girlfriend but you know she has her dream and I have my dream and that's that's well it's not actually a sacrifice to me at all because this is what I think I need to do to be successful in cycling. And Taylor have you always had this drive like did you always know that you would go this far? Uh, I, I I struggled at school and and I struggled at school and and I was I've always been a practical kid. I've always loved PE. I've always liked building things with my hands and I've always wanted to be a professional athlete. I played rugby because I wanted to be an All Black. So to me, I think it's always just been a, a natural and a, a natural thing of just aspiring to be a, a full time sports athlete and and you know with the day with the current modern era i think things are a lot more achievable you know i I don't think i'm a professional athlete i think i'm a glorified amateur because there are still levels above us um to aspire to and i think that's the thing is you've got to always have something to aspire to there are a lot of people that at my level that are actually quite content with being I guess, you know, uh, racing a, a New Ze- uh, a, an Australian circuit and international races and they can come home. But, you know, to me, the pinnacle of the event is, say, the Tour de France or, or, or being in a European Division One team. So, to me, I'm still trying to project myself forward and, and that's only natural is just wanting to reach the very top. Do you know, it's interesting that you should say that because I think that there's a remarkable difference between, as you say, the people who are content with where they are right now and then there are people who are like you and there's a place in the world for everybody and it's it's amazing to actually um, un- unpick all of this with you because there's a real difference that makes the difference between that 1% that actually does go that far and the others that stop along the way and they find their contentment point because of what? What is the difference that is? What, what's the difference between you and the way that you think about your life, the way you think about your success, what drives you, versus the person that you're riding next to that's content to do the races in Australia and in international races, but they're not really concerned about going any further. What do you think that difference is between the two of you? That's uh, it's it's a it's a really good question because I think. You know, at the end of the day, the, the professional athlete um, mentality is, is is quite a quite a um, quite a adverse one. Would probably be the polite way of saying it. If you look at um, if you think of any successful businessman on the stock markets or or just in business alone, and then you compare it also with a very successful athlete, a lot of people consider them as arrogant, as stubborn, as selfish. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of that stuff, I'm not saying it's okay because I don't believe in it, but you do have to be a degree of selfish because you have to sacrifice a lot of things. You've got to go out and, or have an early night instead of go out with your friends. You've got to go out and train when 
you know, train during the weekend and when people are having their time off. But, you know, there's also a small degree with athletes, I believe, that every professional athlete at the top of their game is actually a little bit crazy. Everyone's got to have a 2% craziness, you know, like. um, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and some and some guys, I, and I think there's a few guys in my team that actually have about eight percent crazy. You know, they won't change a single thing about their lifestyle, and everything is only for cycling and cycling this and cycling that. Um, you know, and and they are so set in their ways that if something is changed, they're not going to perform. You know, if I if they don't have their favorite cereal, or if they, you know, a, a classic example is one of our team leaders. Uh, lived in Italy and competed over there, and now he's settled down back in Australia. But but the thing is, is if he doesn't have pasta three hours before a race, he's not competitive at all, and he is, you know, he's he's um, he just finds mentally he has this block where he just doesn't feel like he's up to racing. So that's but, that's not a physical issue. That's a mindset issue. That's a psychological yeah, drama. Yeah, exactly. That- he can control if he chooses. Yeah, exactly, and I think, but I think that's also what makes um, athletes so, uh, especially top performing athletes, are so yeah. unique. You know, you look at guys. I think a lot of people would think, you know, um, Usain Bolt might be a showboater, but you know, he's got to have that boxing mentality. He's got to have that. To a lot of people, that that you know, they see that in a very poor light. I believe. But, you know, he's actually turning up to an event. He's done the training. He's confident and he believes in himself that much that he can actually turn around. I'm going to win this race. I'm going to be the fastest man in the world. No one can beat me. Look at me and watch me do it is pretty much what it says to me. Um, Whereas, you know, you have a sprinter who's running alongside him. Oh, you know, I've done the best I can and I'll just – you know, I'll give it my best shot and, and I can only run as fast as I can. I think if you look at those two different kind of people, you're going to be, you know, I know where I'd put my money if I was a betting man. <laughs> mm. well, well, look at Stephanie Gilmore. You know, she's the world champion in surfing. And I watched her um, interview one time and she basically said that um, she wonders why the other girls are even bothering to come out. And surf because she knows she's <laughs> going to win, and that's an attitude. And it's like Muhammad Ali, and and I think sometimes um, there is that little bit of arrogance that may need to be in there in order to get it. Because like my daughter's a surfer, and she's a great physical surfer, but mentally she's not um, getting it. And she's actually um, now doing some coaching on that. So. You know, when you're an athlete, you have to look at the mental, the physical, the the chemical of everything that you're doing. Otherwise, if you're not doing the the three components, you don't have the edge anymore. Um, Would you agree with me there, Taylor? Most certainly. Most certainly. You know, funnily funnily enough, uh, you know, for me, when I won the New Zealand National Time Trial title, um, it was as simple as all I wanted to do was, you know, my, my mental preparation was like, I've done the training, I can perform so well, I know I can do this, I know I can ride this hard, but I actually, in a sick way, wanted to hurt myself as much as possible. I knew it was going to be difficult with 10Ks to go. And, and it, you know, that's the thing is like, 
I wanted to beat everyone that wanted to um, start that race. And, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to actually win it because that was the drive behind it. And I know for a fact I physically haven't gone that deep since because it was such a huge mental effort required to get there. And it, it's, and it's a really interesting thing. And, and the biggest thing was, is I guess, belief comes into all of that as well. So, you know, it, it's confidence and, and uh, it, it's, it says a lot in, in any sport or any way of life. You know, you've got to have that confidence to, you know, be it, be it to start a business or be it to, to compete or be the best time or whatever you want to do, even if it's to achieve, uh, you know, a, a degree or coming into exams. I think if you just believe what you're going to do, it's so cliche, but it's funny how cliches are cliches because they're actually right. <laughs> Taylor, mm-hmm. that interests me, and I'm, I'm curious for people who are listening also, does, does that confidence come because you've had a few wins that you maybe didn't expect right in the very beginning and it starts to build your confidence? Or do you have to find confidence from somewhere, pluck it from thin air, right at the very beginning and and just going blinded by confidence? What do you think? Yeah, where, where, where does it come from that it's actually genuine and lives inside of the cells of the body? I think uh, I think confidence is, uh, is an interesting one because you know I, I had a really good run of, of form this year and you know I, I believed I was riding really well and then you know, I was put in a few situations and then I won a an international um, cycling committee tour in New Zealand and then I went on to win the Oceania road race and became the Oceania international cha- uh, Oceania champ so I had a very good flow on effect but. We've got a busy season, and you know the next race that suited me wasn't until July. So from February to July, I had no racing. So how you know, like, where do I build? Where do I take confidence from that? You know, I've had a big gap between races, and um, so I've I we have a lot of downtime. You know, you got to recover. So I I, I love reading books, um, and Dr. Steve Peters has a book called The Chimp Paradox. And in a very simple way, you have your human side and your emotional side. And the human side's always 100% right, but your emotional side or the chimp is the loud, speaks the loudest. Oh, yes. Um, <clears throat> what, what was the name of the book? The Chimp? The Chimp Paradox. Paradox, okay. Yeah. Googling that right now. Googling right now. Essentially what it says is, is – um, we, we have power meters on our bike, so it works out the amount of torque we put through the pedals. And from that, we get a, a wattage readout. And you know what are good watts and you know what are bad watts. And I went into Japan with confidence because I was putting out better watts than what I had in January and February when I was performing very well. So that took me into a race with high confidence. And <clears throat> the thing is, 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 like I said, the chimp is the emotional side of your brain and it's going to talk the loudest. And, and, you know, when you're training or when you're racing and it starts getting hard, the chimp's going to turn around and sit there and say, you can't do this, you know. You're going to, you know, I want to give up. I, it's, it's, you know, it's the emotional side. It's saying this is getting hard. Your body's saying stop. The human side, of course, is like I say, 100% right. And I can actually turn around and say to the chimp, 
the to the gym to shut up because the facts are that I am writing better numbers and I can do this and I can go fast and I can perform. And I think that's where you've got to learn to build the confidence and just the, the belief in, in the facts that you can actually do these things because you've done it before. Mm. So it's kind of it's not buying into any of the self-talk that tells us that tells us that we're not okay. It's not buying into any of that. In fact, just using the facts and the evidence that's in front of you in the present moment to be your guide, rather than the uh, the noise, the head noise. Yeah, ex- exactly. And the, the head noise is always there, but you know, I think that's why I love. The, the chimp paradox because you know you think of a chimp in a, in, a, in a zoo and they're making a lot of noise they're dancing around and you know it's the same thing your head noise is quite literally just there as a distraction um you know i guess a lot of people who are competing or running a marathon or, or you know there's always when they're tapering into event everyone you know it's proven everyone gets this smaller bit of doubt that you know have they trained hard enough or then they'll hear about a friend who's done this much more training and then they start doubting their own performance but you know we're talking the human side you've got to be able to turn around and say to yourself i've done the hard work i've done what i've needed to do and i can do this but the chimp's going to be like no you can't he's trained more than you he's going to beat you and i think you know that's it's you're your own worst enemy and you can, the only person that effectively is going to slow you down or stop you from doing something is yourself and saying, you know, that was that was too hard or, you know, it's just that, I guess, that negative mindset instead of being excited, you know. If, if you're looking forward to doing a race or you're looking forward to beating a time or trying to, you know, that's where competition comes in, where you're trying to beat your friend who has trained more because he's had, you know, maybe more time to train or taken time off work to train. Like, that's why people then perform because they're actually you know they're actually not listening to the head noise they're just putting the head down and doing it and then again it's another one of those mini cliches where if you just put your head down and do something it you know it works or you know hard work pays off it's it's very black and white i think but it's it's true (laughs) it's it's pretty definitely yeah it's a pretty, I think from a perspective of a of, of a marathon. <laughs> sorry, Karen. Um, you know, I, I just remember when when I was running marathons, there was many times even if I'd start the event feeling amazing, and all of a sudden I'd feel a, a, a tinge, a twinge in my calf, and then my fear would creep in that I was going to pull my calf muscle and then you'd be having this conversation about, well, of course you're not going to pull a calf muscle. You've done this so many times. You've done the, the training. You're, you're fine. And, and amazingly, you could, all, you could also talk yourself out of, out of a pain, which is really hard to explain. But I, I remember that very clearly and hearing you talk about that. I do, I do really remember those conversations in your head and how you would out-talk the, the talker that was trying to override what was actually happening. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, exactly. And, and you know, for, for, for me, I, um, I was explaining the other day, I did a, 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 very, a very big hard training session and in the final hour of, of a five-hour ride, I had to complete three three-minute VO2 max efforts. So it's pretty much as hard as I can go after five hours of riding. That's quite 
that is very hard and anyone who does do cycling or, or, or any sport would, would actually understand the level of difficulty that is um, <clears throat> now I was stuck in little Yadina and I could have gone the quick way home which would have only been 20 k's or I could have ridden up to Mount Coulomb and then come back down now I was I was sitting there and I could have very easily gone straight home but then I was like, no, I need to get the time in. So I made sure I went the long way. And then along the, the road there, for me, it was like, oh, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And then I actually remembered that I'm in a strong position in the team where I want to be the leader of our team next year. And the leaders, current leaders of our team who are making that next step, they would do that effort. They would do the effort because they want it more than me, don't they? Because they would do the effort. So from there on, I was more so competing with my teammates, but in a mental aspect. And, you know, like I said, to some people, that's probably a degree of crazy, you know, like you guys just laughed at me, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's the motivator, you know, like that, that's the thing that's going to push you past that, that limit of being, of improving yourself instead of being comfortable, you know, that's that 1% extra effort and, that's that little bit better that's going to make you perform at a higher level and it's going to help you reach for your goals at the end of the day. I, I do things where, <laughs> where I'm running along and I'll go, um, if I just do one more K, then that means I'll probably earn another $3,000 this week into the bank account. Or if yeah. I do two more Ks, then I reckon the universe will support me to sleep really well tonight or that my children will do well or that Danny will get home safely. Like I have, I have these things that if I achieve it, if I do it, then nothing can interfere with the universal principles that everything will be fine. It's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> I, I barter with myself constantly and I still do it to this day. Even if I'm going on a 5K run with a back injury, I have the same conversations that I used to have when I was running for Australia. It's it's so bizarre. So I totally – I think you'll find we're all laughing because we, we totally get it, I think, even from a business perspective. Uh, and I think it would be the same with all the listeners. They're all thinking that they're all actually not that crazy and everyone's the exact same as well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, um, I, sorry, Karen. No, no, you go. go, go. No, no, you can stay yeah. on that same because I, I wanted to change tack. <laughs> well, I was going to say, so it's, you know, it's, it's interesting that you should say what you just said, Taylor, because I think everybody's got their thing whether it's their children or whether it's their relationship or whether it's their business or whether it's their sport or what it, or it's crocheting or scrapbooking. You know, everybody's got their thing where they push themselves beyond their limits. They push themselves outside of what's normal and they can sustain that because they have such great commit, commitment and connection to it. They want to do it. It drives them. It feeds a part of their soul. Would you? Do you agree with that? Do you feel like this feeds you? Yeah, it, it does. You know, like uh, I, I love cycling. I love being fit, and I love being healthy. I think, and that's essentially what this is all to me. Um, and you know, I'm I am fortunate enough to be a full time athlete, and I do earn a little bit of money. And but it's my responsibility to perform. And what do I need to perform? I need to to fuel my machine right. So I might train thirty hours a week, which is big, but there's still a lot of empty hours in the day. And and I need to sit down and I need to put my feet up. So 
what am I going to do in that, in that spare time? Some people watch movies, some people read a book, and, you know, some people go to sleep. Um, but for me, it's, it, again, I'm just, this is uh, where I gain my knowledge, you know. I, I love meeting and talking to new people, you know. I met Cindy the other day, and we've been able to have a, a good discussion, and I've learned a lot from uh, Cindy already. And, you know, it's, it's just my job is to feel myself and look after myself and I'll always want to be look after myself my whole life and essentially this sport and the way of life has just taught me to be I guess the person I am which I can apply to any aspect of life it doesn't have to be sports as well you know that's where it can help with business and it can help with anything you want to achieve so I think it's it's a good principle and a good way of life that whatever you apply yourself to that you're a favorite to, you'll probably find if you did the same thing to anything else, even, you know, for me, mum eventually got me to apply myself to maths the same way and English the same way. And by my final year, I actually did quite well because she's like, if you worked on your harder subjects, like you did your cycling, you'll find it will come easy. And it did hard work paid off. And they were my weakest areas. So do you think that for kids who could be potentially listening to this podcast and their mums and dads listening to the podcast and know that they've got a particularly talented daughter or son, do you think that this is a really good way for somebody to grow up? Like when you look at your friends and you compare your life to their life, do you think that this is something that parents should really be encouraging their kids to do because it's both fulfilling and provides a level of income and gives freedom and choice and, you know, all those wonderful things that you are blessed with. Yeah, look, look you never – I never want to walk away saying what if. Um, when I had to make the decision between rugby and cycling, um, to me that was, that was a big moment in my life. But not at one moment have I sat back and gone, I wish I chose rugby. You know, I was, I, I'm so happy with my decision. It, it, it's, it, it's just the fact that I actually dis, discovered a p- passion for something and I wanted to apply myself to it, you know. Um, the, the, big, the big picture of it all is that whatever may come in the future, I know that, A, I've made the right decision choosing cycling over rugby. Yeah. personally suited to me but I also know that by the time that say I stop competing in cycling that I don't think I'll ever look back of it and go oh, shit I could, wish I changed that I wish I didn't do that you know like mm-hmm. to me I've I've learned a lot it's benefited my, my life in many ways and you know I've gone through the university of life more so than anything I think would be the it would be one way to do it but you know, it's, it's put me in a place where I guess I, I would have never been um, in another way. You know, I've got a lot of friends who've gone to university because all their friends went to university and that was as simple as it was for them because they just went, because their friends were going, they didn't want to miss out. But, you know, I was, I've been able to live halfway around the world and meet people that I'll never meet again, but I've learned a lot from them. And, and I think that's a great way, you know, you never know what's going to be, um, what opportunities are going to present themselves. And I think my mum quickly taught me never to say no. Even if you don't want to do something, don't say no to an opportunity because it might never come back your way again. So, you know, get a chance to do something, just jump in. And 
you know, don't be afraid to fail. I think that's the biggest rule in life is to never be afraid to fail. And I think too too many people are these days because with social media or with everything like that, you know, if you make a mistake, everyone knows about it. But And, and I guess that's the way our world is evolving. But, you know, I've probably taken on a bit too much off the bike this year, but I've learned that I've probably taken too much off the bike and, you know, but I've had to learn to manage my time a lot better. I've had to, you know, my reputation is on the line here and, and things like that. So it's it's definitely, I've learned more from it than just get, turning the opportunities down is, yeah, pretty much what I'm saying. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you before. No, it was really good. It was good. No, I just wanted to just change tact again. I I was privileged to do some work with the New Zealand All Blacks a number of years ago, um, working on the players' partners' profile and, and what that was like to be the partner of an elite athlete. And having been the partner of an elite athlete for over 10 years, it was just interesting for us to all really look at the culture of the New Zealand All Blacks um, around family, partners and relationships. And they've just had a big thing here on television about, you know, the, uh, the Australian cricket team losing the Ashes um, and put it down to the players' partners and wives turning up in Europe, in England. And some of the blame was put on the fact that the partners turned up. I just love to understand what New Zealand cycling is about in this angle and what your thoughts are as a young athlete around whether relationships are really important or whether they they could be detrimental or what's your thoughts? Obviously, you've got a, a beautiful partner, so how does she sit and fit in all of this? Yeah, it, it is a, it, it's a really interesting topic and I think a lot of teams and a lot of Sports do approach it very differently. Um, I guess the very old European way in cycling is no partners, full stop. You know, like bike riders on tour, and if you want to come watch them at a bike race, that's cool, but you stay down the road <laughs> and you can see them before the start and maybe a little bit after the finish. But, you know, the bike rider's job is to perform. Um, on Avanti Racing, we're very fortunate. A couple of the boys have very qualified girlfriends as in physios and osseos and and we need helpers in our teams called soigneurs um and and you know these guys are fortunate that it's actually accepted in our team no one's uncomfortable um no one's performance is affected in that way with with the girls on on tour um to us, it's almost easier, you know, everyone's quite friendly and everyone's very polite to each other as well. And, and you know, I guess it keeps us boys in line because we can't uh, be like a bunch of boys on tour. But, um, you know, between Maddie and I, we met young and I was a bike rider and she was just starting her medical degree. So for us in our life, she's always been a doctor and I've always been a, a, a nomadic bike rider um, and you know I guess our foresight is quite far down the track that we know um, if we will one day be set up properly and together because we both want the same things but you know for now we're young we don't you know we're young we can go out and achieve our goals and she wants to become a doctor and I want to be a bike rider so long distance is hard but you know every now and then we've been also very fortunate to travel around 
um, Europe to travel around America to give it to, to see half the world as it, it was. So, um, you know, it, it's just having that support network there. Um, you know, for me, my family's most important because my folks' philosophy was very simple. They all put in as much effort into me as I would put into the sport. So if I was, you know, if I just rode my bike and I didn't appreciate um, dieting and if I didn't apply myself to training, you know, my parents' commitment, I know, would quite simply be very, very, a lot less than what it is. It is an expensive sport, you know. Before I made it into a, an amateur league or, or into my team, you know, we had to buy our bikes and you'd buy one bike where I'm given four bikes from my team now. So, um you know, it's 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 all personal at the end of the day, but I think bike ride or just athletes in general, we're always in such a focused mind state, and and you know there's a lot of pressure on. And I think I'm not saying you have to have a girlfriend, but you got to have people that you can get away from your world a little bit. You know, be it be it to go for a walk and just switch off for a moment. Um, you know, I think that's why friends and families are always so good to have around because. You know, when the pressure's on to perform, you want to be able to get away from it to relax and just reset the body because you'll find that you normally you'll go a lot better afterwards. I'd like to change tack just a little bit. Um, last night um, we had Taylor and his parents around for dinner and um, there was discussion about um, young men athletic athletes who are um, taking supplements so-called supplements um, and either dying or, um, you know, having health issues. What Can you talk about this whole thing, you know, like um, the people that take these supplements, the problems that they're having, um, because you were the one that was talking about it last night, as well as I'd love you to address Lance Armstrong. And I understand that, you know, because I, I think it's important we address what he did and how he got away with it for so long and what your feelings are on what he's done to the sport um, and, you know, what he taught you maybe. Yeah, okay. So I'll start with the Lance thing. And it's, it's a controversial topic no matter your opinion. Um, whether you're for him or against him, quite literally. Um, what Lance did for cycling, especially American cycling, was is massive, and, 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 and for the sport itself, it's evolved it. Um, Lance was the first Tour de France contender that had, um, had certain riders specifically and only trained for the Tour de France, and then, um, you know, they, they already knew they'd be in the Tour de France, they'd turn up fresh, but they knew their job was only to help Lance win. Ways of old, before that all happened, everyone would be racing flat stick all year um, and turn just to gain selection for the Tour de France. And then they'd all be so tired and fatigued from all the racing and then they'd have to perform at the Tour de France. So um, I think Lance lifted the level of professionalism in the sport. Um, he had the best equipment. He had this scientist creating the best time trial bike. The, you know, his bike weighed 6.8 kilos, which was the lowest legal limit. He had the best climber to look after him in the hills. He had the best guy to look after him on the flats. They had the best nutrition. Um, he had the best coach in the world. But also on the dark side of it, he also had the best doctor. 
Um, you know, he competed in a field of guys that all doped. So he was still the best in my eyes. He's a guy I'd still love to sit down and have a coffee with and have a talk to because he, his, his, his craziness was how specific and how dialed and how, you know, oppressive he was of everything and everyone around him and the fact that he just controlled the world. Um, and But to the world of sports, he got the result, didn't he? So. <laughs> Yeah, 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 he did. I admired him. I I read his book, you know, it's not about the bike. And I was in awe of him and thought, wow, you know, after everything you've been through and look at you, one, I think it was seven by then, Tour de France's and, and yeah, and, and then when it all came out, but I actually now see you see him in a very different light. Yeah, and you look at the Tour de France teams now. So if we looked at, say, Chris Froome from Team Sky, you're talking a 28 million euro team um, t- just to operate, and they're the best Tour de France team in the year. Uh, uh, sorry, in the in the in the world kind of thing. Um, now, all their training philosophy and a lot of the things they do is identical to exactly what Lance Armstrong did. They have Chris Froome, the winner. That the whole team is going there only to help Chris Froome win. Now, they are a wealthy team. So they buy bike riders to support Chris Froome, who on their own right would be a leader on any other team. So pretty much they've bought out all the contenders and all the people specifically for this one three-week race of the year. They turn up fresh, ready to race. They've had the right training. They've had the right setup. They've got the best equipment, and they perform. There's no, you know, and like I said, before Lance did that, there was no team that would specifically orientate their their plannings around a race so you know the evolution of the whole sport in especially our equipment side of it is just accelerated since lance and it, it is an unfortunate story to end in the way it has um, and, and i think a lot of people just because of his nature and his person that personality of ruining people's lives in a very um hard way when they would say he doped and he'd you know, he'd, he'd tear their worlds apart. So a lot of people lost sympathy for him. But what he, what what they've ignored now is the fact that he actually contributed so much to the sport. Doesn't make it okay, but you know, he, he's he, his his demise is his own responsibility because of the way he's treated other people, and they want to see him suffer like they suffered. But the thing is, is essentially what he's done to professionalism of sport on a whole scale. Is is beyond anything, um, which is incredible. <laughs> just um, just another question then. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be the Chris, um, or do you want to be the person who supports? Or you don't, you know, like where is your aspirations to to be that top dog that everybody's supporting for them to win the Tour de France? Or are you happy if you even get? to be that person who supports the winner of the Tour de France? Where do you want to be? It, it's such a high level. And, and, and you know, there's been, it's been quite realistic to my body type. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it does come to, 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 um, to it comes down to a lot of things. Um, but, you know, it would be huge to be a Kiwi to ride the Tour de France and to win a stage before even focusing on the Tour de France. Um, a grand tour is so hard on the body 
that you you just don't know how it's going to react. I could one day do a race like that and find that it suits me perfectly, or you could find that I could probably get to day 12 and, you know, hardly fight my way out of a wet paper bag. So um, it's a hard one to say. Like I said, for me, essentially, it's to compete in the event and to, you know, you're always wanting the success, but to how I personally would go would be a very hard one to, to actually say because the body just enters a realm that, that most people would never go to. Um, and that would be the only way to learn is by actually competing it. You know, I think Chris Froome rode two or three Tour de France's before they realised, or, or a grand tour, because there's three every year, the, tour, the Giro d'Italia, the Tour de France and the Volta España. So he'd, ride, he'd raced three over four years, I think it was, and then they found that he had a taking towards Grand Tours. So it's a very hard aspect. Um, for me as a bike rider, I believe I'm better suited to the week-long tours, um, which would put me in a good position to be a support rider in, the, in that kind of sense. Well, that's exciting. That's very exciting. It's mm, awesome. So let's let's also talk about um, young men, especially the supplements. You know, wanting, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So so it's it's an interesting one, and you know, as much as as great as social media is, I think it's also, uh, I think my generation and younger are, are quite. Um, Everyone's looking for the, I guess, the social acceptance and getting the most likes, and you know, everyone wants to be aesthetically pleasing and big and muscly and strong and 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 ripped and shredded. And um, I, I know there's been a couple of cases in New Zealand where where young boys are collapsing on rugby fields and collapsing on um, in gyms and and have died from the fact that they're pushing their bodies to these extreme limits to get this perfect image of what we're of course trying to elude for you know like uh, chase you know the, the cover of the men's health magazine or whatever it is and um it, it's it's been a real interesting one to watch from from afar because i'm i i go against the grain i'm trying to get as skinny as possible i'm trying to lose muscle um so so i find it very funny and you know we have all these supplement stores around us now um and, 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 you know, there are quite a few people where, you know, it's, you can train to become a personal trainer and everyone loves being in a gym. Um, so so what's happening in New Zealand is we've had, um, with these kids collapsing, the, the, the formulas are simple, you know. They have a very strict diet and they um, work out and these supplements you can buy that aren't regulated are quite easily accessible to anyone in the market. Um even Australia alone had had a bike rider who went positive from getting a caffeine supplement, uh, supplement but it actually had um, a banned substance in there, which which was on the packet, but without the education and, and the research, he went positive because he just thought he was taking caffeine. Um, but, yeah, in New Zealand, I, I see it specifically. These kids are trying to get these built-rip bodies and they're having their you know, half a cup of brown rice and their 300 grams of, of plain poached or baked chicken and their broccoli and that's their seven meals, their, their meals 
for um, for the week, and they're trying to run a calorie deficit on top of their gym training with their shakes that have got this and that and the other thing in them. There's no way to actually know how pure those supplements and how pure those protein powders are. But, um, you know, a lot of the young bodies just aren't keeping up with it and, and they're getting themselves into trouble and, and having, like I said, when you, you're trying to lift weights and trying to build muscle and your body's screaming for fuel and you're trying to deprive it of the essential minerals that you have from a well-balanced diet and and you know things like that it's just going to stop <laughs> and i think it yeah. it's it's quite yeah. a problem you know you're a very wise old man really on a young <laughs> body very your your um the way you've been thinking i've just been listening to you this whole hour and it would be lovely to see, you know, a lot of young men listening to this, perhaps the, the women and the mums that are listening to this, perhaps they give it to their sons to listen to because I think that um, you're someone that I would like to follow um, more and now that I've met you and, and learnt what you're doing. Um, and I think people, boy, young boys especially need to know this, that this is, this is what's happening. They're not, they're not looking at it and they don't even really understand what's in these protein supplements. And a lot of them are perhaps hydrolyzed, concentrated, um, isolated. They've got isolated vitamins and minerals in it. We don't know what this is doing to the body. And I just feel that it's about time that, um, we look at the ingredients and we understand that our body is, has never, ever taken in these supplements before and we don't know how it's going to react. And one yeah, of the things – sorry, go on. Sorry, no, you could go. <laughs> well, I, I was then going to ask you another question, but you go. You say what you you want to say. I've, yeah, well, I just think it's – okay, the, the first half of the psychology is that, you know, you look at every teenager, no matter what generation, no matter what year, everyone has that bulletproof phase. Um, you know, nothing's going to happen to me. But I think there's there's that massive side of mis of lack of foresight of of, of exactly what you're saying, uh, what the results are. You know, what's going to happen when being big and muscly and strong is no longer trendy. Um, things like that. You, uh, 60, 60 seconds had, did a doco on on a bunch of kids that were openly. Take, uh, ordering testosterone and steroids and peptides off the internet and taking it because they got better results, they got faster results, and they were big and they were strong and they looked good. But they're like, like again, the same thing. There was just no foresight. You know, is there any side effects? Is there any consequences? Are we going to have a generation of guys that of people who? I'm not going to sit here and say that the the body sculpting lifestyle is bad. I'm not going to say what they're doing is bad because they're actually being active people. But I think it's the way it's going about it. You know, there is no foresight in the sense that there's this pure or these isolated supplements in that way. Is it reaching a content that our body can or can't handle? And are we going to have a generation of, of people that can't have livers that don't work or, you know, kidneys that have failed just because they've abused substance quite early without that education that's there? Now, I'm sure you could achieve the same results through a healthy, well-rounded diet and a bit more harder work over a longer period of time. 
You've brought up a really good point there around results over health, um, and I think it's it's probably a great way to to finish up the podcast because I actually think we could have you on a lot longer. Oh, God, um, a lot longer. <laughs> I have um, so many questions. <laughs> but I think, but I think you've brought up a really good point there, and and I'd know if my son ever had the. Um, had the nous to listen to a podcast like this. Um, you know, at, he's 15, coming up 16, um, and he's very influenced by what coaches and and teachers and, and friends at school are saying, particularly around things like bulk, getting bulky and protein. And, and it's just, it's hilarious, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think that you've brought down a really good point here that, you can actually get results based on sound jerfing, just eating real food, understanding what, you know, biohacking, what works best for you and your body, putting it to the test on those endurance rides that you're doing, see which fuels come up. I mean, personally, just, just to know that, you know, in marathons when they give you these lepin things, these squeeze things, I get much better results out of, and I know so many people do, drinking, having a date squishy and a bit of coconut water as opposed to something like that. So I really... It's so refreshing, Taylor, to hear your knowledge and your experience that you're finding for you. And I truly do believe that as you go through, if you can really take the responsibility that you're giving yourself here and, and being a role model for, for younger men and women in this professional athletic world, I really hope that this gets out around the world because I, I see you and I'm sure I speak on behalf of Karen and I when I say you're a trailblazer. You are one in a million that is actually thinking this way. You truly are. And and I personally just want to congratulate you and, and wish you all the best. And I'll certainly be following you more now. I look forward to it. <laughs> I, think that, I think you can say that that's true for all of us, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and just for our listeners, I, I need them to know that Taylor is in a stairwell um, and yeah. that's probably, I've noticed there's a lot of activity happening in that stairwell. Yeah, it's starting to get a bit busy again, but that's all right. Yeah. It's amazing. So, well. You know, you've done well. You've come away from your family and your girlfriend, you've just, your girlfriend's just arrived from New Zealand and I just wanted to say thank you and going into that stairwell where we thought it would be quiet. <laughs> no, <laughs> so that's all right. Do, we do apologise um, to people listening for the, the, the things that were opening and closing and the few little um, comments. But I just needed them to know what you have done to talk to us for this hour. And I, too, am just so appreciative of your time and that you've, you've done this for us. Thank you, Taylor. That's right. And, and, and like, I, I appreciate it. And, and again, it goes back to what I've just said. This is a, an opportunity for me and, and I'm not going to sit here and ever preach and it's, it's something to anyone, but you know, it's it's it feels good in a way, also just to just get across something that I believe so strongly about. Um, you know, I'm not going to ever put pressure on anyone to say this is what you need to do, but look at it from this angle, and and you know, it's it's, it's awesome to actually talk to people of a like-minded, um, I guess, a like-minded idea that that's shared. You know, I'm. It's quick to learn that I'm not the only one in the world that actually thinks like this sometimes. And, you know, I thought I was just being crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Taylor, we're going to have lots of people who are going to want to know more about you and follow you. What's the best way for them to track you down? 
Um, well, I, I kind of keep my social, my, the, the the Facebook side of my world a bit bit private, um, as it would be. But you know, there, there's things like Twitter and Instagrams, and, and quite literally the same username is T Gunman. So just like my surname, Gunman is just like the terrorists, unfortunately. But um, yeah, the one and only. So um, it shouldn't be too hard to find. All right. So T T Gunman, people can track you down on Instagram. I'll trust me. I found it. Oh, she's onto it. Look at her. I'd love to say. I would love to say that I would really love to go for a bike ride with you just to see you from behind, but I don't oh. think it will last. Oh, I, I, I don't think oh my gosh. <laughs> no, this is my argument with cycling. You know, again, anyone can ride a bike, and at the end of the day, yes, I might ride a bike and I compete at a high speed, but we can still go out and ride alongside each other and enjoy each other's company at some way. There's, no, there's Taylor, nothing that's Taylor, uh, the inhibits point. anyone. No, no, my friend, you've missed the point. She does not want to ride next to you. No, no, that's not what she's saying. She wants to ride behind you because she wants to see your butt moving up and down. That's what she's after. Don't be, think, don't be thinking it's for friendship. <laughs> tell your Maddie and I'll tell my Denny that we'll be very happy riding right beside you, behind you, but not in front of you. The you go. Sounds all right. <laughs> Taylor, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being a part of the show and being so open and just, yeah, sharing everything about your experience. It's been so inspiring and such an eye-opener on so many levels. I've got like three pages of notes that I've written down. <laughs> really amazing. Oh, I'm glad I could add some, some content. <laughs> no, no, it's been great and I think we'd all agree with that, hey? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So for everybody who um, is listening to the show, please check check Taylor out and start to follow him on Instagram and become a groupie, I say. Just go for it. And I think that you're going to find yourself as inspired as we are. So if you guys have got any questions for Taylor or anything that you want to or any comments, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, which is allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. And you can also post any comments that you have on allthews.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. So thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure that you give us a five-star rating when you go to iTunes and also tell everybody that you know about Up For A Chat because we have a blast over here and I think it's time that the rest of the world joined in on the fun. So make sure that you do that and join us here next week on Up For A Chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We love hanging out with you on the ride. Have an awesome, awesome week. Bye, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.